Ukraine is accusing Elon Musk of sabotaging a drone attack that they were carrying out against Russia. Now, Ukraine, and now, by the way, Ukraine owes Elon Musk big time. They are distorting the facts. We will explain coming up. Trump advisor Peter Navarro has been convicted after he refused to testify at the January 6th hearing. Peter Navarro, a top Trump advisor, uh, he faces up to a year in prison. This is a very big deal, as we will explain. I'm also going to play you a clip of Chuck Todd challenging Governor Gavin Newsom of California on his hypocrisy during the COVID lock- lockdowns. I mean, Gavin Newsom, he was recalled. He was recalled. He ended up winning the recall election. But, I mean, Gavin Newsom, people in California despise Gavin Newsom and his total hypocrisy and phoniness on the COVID lockdown. So that's an interesting clip we will play you. We'll discuss the ongoing war between the ADL and Elon Musk and Ocasio, Ocasio-Cortez. She says inflation is just right-wing propaganda. So we will get into that. Remember when Ocasio said that shoplifters, they're not doing anything wrong. How can you blame shoplifters what, all they're trying to do is feed their families like everyone else. Shoplifters, they need bread and milk and eggs. What do, you, what do you expect them to starve? You want the families of shoplifters to starve to death. So there's a video going around. This is of a Home Depot in California. And in this video, you have dozens of people. They're just grabbing. They're looting Home Depot. They're grabbing any appliance they can. They can find at Home Depot. It's total mayhem. It's, it's insane, this video. How does Ocasio explain that exactly? Like, what, what are these people, like, do they, do they eat power drills for breakfast? I mean, uh, like, what do you want, shoplifters to not eat like the rest of us? Well, they don't need a, a fancy tool at Home Depot. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. All right, welcome to the Akovem Show on Vin News, Yeshiva International, Nucky Radio, other podcast platforms. Send us an email, josh at vinnews.com, josh at v-i-n-n-e-w-s.com. Yet another White House blunder. You really can't make this stuff up. The White House wished condolences, and this is a sad story, uh, Governor Bill Richardson of New Mexico, former uh, Democrat presidential candidate, uh, he actually passed away, and the White House wished condolences to the daughter of Governor Bill Richardson, his daughter Heather. The problem is uh, Governor Richardson, Bill Richardson, had no daughter named Heather. In fact, he had no daughter Period. It's unbelievable how the White House, they just you keep having these humiliating, blo- they're wishing, condole- where do they even get this? And by the way, Joe Biden didn't write this, presumably. I don't think he writes every like White House condolence announcement. So it's the entire White House staff that's totally incompetent and, and perhaps a bit senile, not just Biden. But it, it's like astonishing how, and look, a tragedy took place. A man passed away, but, and, and I would add that a mistake like this could be very painful for the family, so you'd think they'd try extra hard to actually be, get it right and be accurate. Making up a daughter, making up a daughter named Heather, like that's a whole new level, uh, just fabricating that the person had a daughter and sending her condolences and naming her Heather. And by the way, there is no daughter. Now, KJ, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, she was asked about this. I, I just have to mention quickly. Um, because I'm recording this, it's September 12th, and of course, the day after September 11th, and there was a lot of commemorating the September 11th attacks. That should probably be its own separate show. I do not want it was it was tragic. It's still as as painful and traumatic in a lot of ways as it was then, you know, because it's something that hit so close to home. Not a conversation for today, so I kind of want to you know put it aside. It deserves a lot of focus. It deserves maybe its own show, but I I, I, I can't do it justice. So I just want to kind of put that you know compartmentalize. Today's the day after September 11th, as I'm recording this. But President Biden, once again, just made, just completely fabricated. He said that he, when he was talking, and he was in Alaska. 
President Biden in Alaska for, for, for the September 11th commemoration on September 11th, not in New York like every other president has been since that horrific, tragic, unspeakable day. But Biden's in Alaska, and Biden says that the next day he was in, he literally said that the next day he was in New York, he was at, there and, and looking at Ground Zero. He was there the next day. He said very, very clearly that he was there the next day. Joe Biden wasn't there the next day. We know where, President, where Biden was because he was senator at the time. He was in D.C. He was on the Senate floor. Joe Biden was nowhere near the, you know, Ground Zero and that, and that attack. So what is he talking about, that he, that he was there that day? Well, it's amazing the vividness with which he totally conjures up and makes up and lies, and this is not even something new. I mean, he was plagiarizing for decades and decades, so I don't even blame this on his cognitive, lack of cognitive abilities. This is just the man is a serial liar, a pathological liar, and, 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 and in vivid detail, which is, it's a little bit psychopathic if you ask me. But all right, let me get you this clip here. Karine Jean-Pierre was asked uh, about how the White House could make this blunder. She did not show any remorse. She did not take responsibility. She gave a weak apology, a lame excuse. Listen to this clip. I have another question about fact-checking here at the White House. Um, the initial statement from the president about the passing of Governor Bill Richardson included condolences for his wife of 50 years, Barbara, and their daughter, Heather. Um, that line about Heather, the daughter has been removed because they didn't have a daughter named Heather um, or daughter. So can you walk us through how these press releases are fact-checked, who signs off on them in the end, and then, in this case, how this error was made. So look, we apologize for the error, certainly. Uh, that is not something uh, that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, we want to do, right? We want to make sure that uh, we get this information out clearly <laughs> and uh, in a straightforward way to the American people. So that was not done intentionally. Oh, uh, and well. uh, certainly when we realized that error, it was removed. Uh, from the website. Uh, we do have fact checkers here. We do have multiple people who uh, take a look at, uh, at the, the, the press releases, especially from the president. This was just a miss, unfortunately, and we apologize for that miss. This was just a miss, unfortunately. I, you know, and I don't even know where to begin. It's so cringeworthy. But number one, we do have fact checkers here. Well, you're making that worse, not better. We have fact checkers. Like, in other words, we're sitting there thinking they don't have fact checkers. Wow, it's so embarrassing. No, we have fact checkers. Not only did somebody make up that Bill Richardson had a daughter, Heather, but the fact Checkers also thought that she that that, that this one person existed. So that so they they also messed up layer upon layer. But the real part of it that that that, that just makes your skin crawl is. We apologize for the air. She called it a miss. And then, you know, she's like, she just moves on. First of all, she's hemming and hawing and stammering away with, not, well, nothing to say. And it's like, well, we apologize for the error as soon as she, like, walks us through the obvious. And Karim Jean-Pierre, the obvious is difficult for her. Anything beyond that is impossible. And she says, well, the sec as soon as we re recognize the error, we remove the error. We apologize as soon as we recognize the error. She literally is just a robot. She's there because... Honestly, because of her skin color, because she is by far the worst press secretary that I've ever seen. Jen Psaki, I'm not saying that because she's a Democrat. Jen Psaki was a good sec press secretary for the most part. I didn't like her. She was a liar. But unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes when you have a president uh, like Joe Biden. You have no choice. The only way to succeed in your job is to kind of manipulate the, the media. But, I mean, Kareem Jean-Pierre is just so incredibly cringeworthy. And the apology is a bogus apology. She barely said anything. These, the, the family is suffering right now. They're in a time of pain. And we have fact checkers, and as soon as we caught the mistake, we got rid of it. It was a miss. Gee, thanks. All right, a climate protester who glued his feet to the concrete floor at the U.S. Open Tennis Center. 
is now complaining about the fact that he was then placed in a psych ward, in a mental ward. You cannot, you can't make it up. It's, this is not the Babylon Bee, folks. This, this climate protester held up a tennis match at the U.S. Open for 45 minutes by gluing himself, gluing his feet to the floor, literally right there on the court. And he says that he should never have been placed in a psych ward. I'm surprised he was let out of the psych ward. He uh, literally held up the U.S. Open. And they do this. They go and they like glue themselves to like these fancy art exhibits in, in the Louvre and these fancy museums, art museums. And, you know, I'm sure Hunter Biden, a Hunter Biden piece of artwork is next. Someone's going to glue themselves to a Hunter Biden piece of artwork because they always look for, you know, the fanciest artwork. But he says this is a conspiracy to silence him. I, why would anybody think that this person has mental problems? It's a conspiracy, putting him in the psych ward after he glued himself to the concrete floor. All right, so two big developments regarding January 6th. Trump advisor Peter Navarro was convicted, uh, and he was very involved, in, by the way, Peter Navarro, uh, in the negotiations with China, the tariffs and all of that. And, uh, you know, very, very strong, ardent supporter of Trump. And he refused to testify. He said, he, you know, he invoked an executive privilege as he was... Um, instructed to do by the Trump team, and he's been held and convicted on contempt of Congress. And the leader of the Proud Boys was just sentenced to 22 years in jail for failing to comply with a subpoena issued by the House Select Committee on January 6th. Um, so Navarro could face up to a year in prison. The leader of the Proud Boys, leader of the Proud Boys, I'm sorry, he was convicted. Navarro was convicted, I apologize, for refusing to testify, failure to comply with the subpoena, and being held in contempt of Congress. The leader of the Proud Boys, we'll get into that in a moment, he wasn't even at the Capitol on January 6th. He wasn't in Washington, D.C., and he's got, he got 22 years in jail, which is the longest prison sentence that's been handed down in connection with January 6th. But Navarro, um, th here's the thing, they never, ever, you know how many people get held, you know how many Democrats have been held in contempt of Congress? We told you about this. Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress. He refused to comply with congressional subpoenas all the time. Eric Holder was Barack Obama's um, attorney general. Okay, Rod Rosenstein, I don't remember if he was held in contempt of Congress, but they certainly threatened. He definitely refused to comply. If, if Rosenstein and Christopher Wray, uh, if they did not, and, and Andrew McCabe, if they did not get held in contempt of Congress, it's only because they were Democrats and Congress was few, too afraid. The Republicans in Congress were too afraid to actually Pull the, pull the trigger, follow through. Eric Holder was held. I think he was the first and only attorney general in the history of the United States to be held in contempt of Congress for refusing to turn over uh, uh, documents that were sub under subpoena. And they never, ever go to jail. They never even go to court. They're they never even tried in a court of law for being held in contempt of Congress. So this has like virtually never happened where uh, 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 somebody has been uh, held in contempt of Congress and actually been convicted and sentenced to prison, but it's happening to Steve Bannon, happening to Peter Navarro, happening to anybody related to Trump. And what they're doing is they're forcing these people into bankruptcy with all the, the um, legal defense expenses. They have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers' fees. These are KGB tactics. Throw your political enemies in jail for things that nobody, that people do Often enough, and nobody goes to jail for By the way, I, I, I blame Republicans as well for this, because the Republicans, unfortunately, are too cowardly to do this to the Democrats. If Republicans would start throwing Democrats in jail, like Eric Holder, Andrew McCabe, so many – Hillary Clinton, by the way, so many Democrats who have done all sorts of – been involved in major – and brought the major scandals. So far, Hunter Biden is, is obviously still not uh, paying for all the crimes that he committed. I mean, President Biden uh, – there are so many things that the, the Republicans – 
could charge Democrats with, and they don't. They literally, you have the Democrats putting Republicans in jail, and the Republicans are basically sitting there saying, well, these are just Trump people, so I'm not worried. But wait till they come for them, by the way. But, you know, if Kevin McCarthy and some of the other mainstream Republicans would actually punish the Democrats, just, just reciprocate, just literally just give them what, a taste of what they're giving us, then wouldn't you think the Democrats would think twice next time? All right, so like I said, the leader of the Proud Boys, former leader, Enrique Tarrio, he was a leader on January 6th, 22 years in prison for sedition and trying to overturn an election. He wasn't even in Washington. And I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys. I'm not going to sit here and defend the Proud Boys, but 22 years, that is quite extreme. Somebody else recently was sentenced to 18 years in prison, and he wasn't in, in Washington, D.C., this Tarrio. Um, he w- was arrested several days before, um, during uh, during uh, he he burned a BLM banner and he brought high capacity rifle magazines into the Washington D.C. district. So he was ordered by a judge to leave the city. So he was not even there. But they're saying that he somehow helped conspire and uh, helped incite the protests and the violence on January 6th. So I realize the real plan here. I think you know a big part of what the Democrats' plan is. Obviously, they're indicting Trump, and you know they may want to send Trump to prison. We'll have to wait and see about that. But you know, what the real plan is by indicting, they, you know, Trump has like 18 co-conspirators being indicted in Georgia by what, what's her name, Fannie Ellis. And they, they are literally forcing, Rudy Giuliani is on the verge of bankruptcy. Trump held this big fundraiser for him. They're forcing these people to spend enormous amounts of money, obscene, just exorbitant, exorbitant, uh, you know, costs on, on legal defense, on lawyers' fees, just in order to be able to go to trial and have a normal defense. So, and, and they're putting these people, it, it is torture what these people are going through. It is such torment for these people just because they're politically aligned with somebody that, that, that's viewed as a threat. Uh, these people have to suffer. Their lives are turned upside down. Their families suffer. They, you know, they literally wake up one day, half a million dollars in debt, a million dollars in debt because of legal funds, legal fees. So it's ve- it, what they are doing is they are being so cruel to these people. Why is that? Well, a big part of this is, I think, because they're planning to steal the election again in 2024. It worked the first time. Why would it not work the second time? And now it could work even better because think about this, right? All they need, again, it comes down to about six or seven large cities, targeted strategic cities. So you got Philadelphia, you got Atlanta, Michigan, right? You have Detroit, you have Maricopa County in Arizona. It comes down to literally six or seven, the whole, because of the Electoral College. If the Democrats can make sure that, you know, six or seven key states, states which could swing either way, if, if those states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, like I said, Michigan, Wisconsin, if those seven states, if they can just, uh, let's say, generate a, an additional million ballots or 600,000 ballots, that could literally be the difference, right? So there's going to be all sorts of shenanigans with the mail-in ballots and with the counting and pushing out Republicans, not letting observers and all of that, right? They're going to do that again. Now, what's going to happen? You would think that Republicans, whoever the candidate is, whether it's Trump, who it probably will be, or some other candidate, when the Republicans sit there and say, you guys stole the election, you guys cheated, right? What's going to happen? They're going to suddenly realize they're going to be indicted and they're going to have to go to jail or it's going to destroy their lives. So who, what do you think... Trump supporters or Republicans, what do you think they're going to say when the Democrats steal the election in 2024? I think that many of them are going to just be silent because they're going to say to themselves, you know what? Yes, what's going on here is egregious. They're cheating. They're stealing elections. This is Soviet Russia. You know, this is like a, an election in North Korea. But my family, I, I can't sacrifice my family. I can't put them through that. And, and, and as it is already, you know, a lot of people have abandoned Trump because it has been so painful for them because, because they, their lives have been just completely ravaged and destroyed because of no other reason than their connection to Trump and their support of Trump. And that's it. You're labeled mega supporter. And 
suddenly you're banished, you know, from a lot of parts of society. So I think that might be the plan here, is just indict everybody you can, force them, whether they end up in jail or not, but you are making them miserable, you're tormenting them, and they will think twice, three times, they will really, really be extremely hesitant. I'm not saying Trump. Trump will call it like he sees it. He's, he never, ever backs down. But a lot of these other people, you wonder what you would do if you were in that situation. I think that is the real plan. A caller said to me, you know, I was saying we got to stop sending billions to Ukraine. I've been saying that for quite a while. And of course, all the corruption and everything else. A caller said to me, listen, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You cannot just totally stop sending any money to Ukraine. You got to still send them. We can't send them as much. He agrees that you can't send the amount that we're spending, the obscene amounts that we're sending, but you need to still send money to Ukraine because look how much they managed to thwart Putin. Look how much they've managed to suppress. This war was supposed to be over in a matter of days. And we have, they have prolonged this war, Ukraine, and they have resisting, and they have weakened uh, Putin and weakened Russia, and they're doing a lot of damage to Russia, so there's a benefit here. That's what the caller said. And I just want to point out, I, look, I hear that. I, I, I understand that there is, and a lot of conservatives who say this is our chance to really hurt Putin, even we're not getting bloody ourselves, right? So we're able to do it through a proxy. We don't have to actually send troops to battle, but we can still kind of battle Putin vicariously through Ukraine. That, that's the caller's point. So this, is, this benefits the world and the United States because it's hurting our enemy, right? Our enemy's enemy is our friend. We don't like Ukraine. We don't like all the corruption, um, but they're hurting Putin and Putin's our big enemy. Okay, I just want to point out the other side, the other side of this, because I really don't believe it's so clear cut. And, I, and it's going to sound like I'm taking the other side. I'm honestly torn. I'm being honest. I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth. Yeah, I lean toward the other side. And the other side is this, is that maybe the war is good for both sides. Maybe these people are warmongers. Maybe they like war. I mean, every president in recent history, Trump is the only president in the last 50 or 60 years to not have any war on his watch. Uh, can you imagine that? You know, and before and after, because now Biden has the Ukraine war. Trump, there was not a single war. Well, it makes you wonder, why is every other president so obsessed with having a war? Bill Clinton was president after the fall of the Soviet Union. Why did he need wars? And, and, and you just literally say to yourself, well, maybe war benefits these countries, these governments. War benefits the military. Who else benefits from the war? I'll tell you who's benefiting. Zelensky is benefiting immensely from the war. I don't know if he'd still be president at this point, but he was, his term was going to be up at some point. And you know, now he's basically dictator for life over there in Ukraine because it's a time of war and the country's rallying around him and Zelensky is in power and nobody's going to move him away from power. Now, Putin, you'll tell me, oh, look how much Putin is hurt. I don't know if Putin cares. As, as far as he's concerned, yeah, he sacrificed a lot of troops. I'm not going to just say a few troops because a lot of Russian troops, I mean, it's been incredibly bloody. But Putin's an evil person. And, you know, the fact that you know, he views troops, he views that as collateral damage, the fact that Russian soldiers, and they're being brutally, brutally slaughtered in, in, in Ukraine. I understand that. But does, you, does Putin care about that? Putin's getting rich. Putin right now, he's in, has incredible power. Again, the, the Russian people, they rally around him. They love the fact that he's at war with Ukraine. And they get a very distorted view. So they're not hearing, oh, Russia's, Russia's losing the war. They're hearing Russia's winning the war. Russia's crushing Ukraine. So uh, there's this really cynical side of me that says that Putin, Zelensky, they both kind of benefit. And, and, and Biden benefits, blame all the disastrous policies you know, talk about inflation, everything else going on in the United States. Well, Democrats blame that on the war, and a lot of people believe it. I know you and I think it's crazy. A lot of people believe that the inflation is Putin's inflation, not Biden's inflation. So I just wonder if we're spending, sending all that money and we're just falling right into their trap, and these corrupt leaders, they're all benefiting from the war. That includes Biden, Zelensky, Putin, and nobody cares. They don't care about all the horrific, horrific, you know, tragic deaths that are taking place, and, 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 and that to them is, like I said, collateral damage. 
so we're just sending this, this money, this prolonged, ongoing, never-ending war, as we have this tendency to do, and it, it really isn't hurting Putin at all. In fact, Putin's more than happy. They're all wink-wink kind of all happy with it and all enjoying this. That's the cynical side. The other side is, no, Putin's very upset. Putin wants America to stop uh, sending money, and that would be playing right into his hands. So again, I, I am open to that possibility as well. Ocasio, AOC, says inflation is just right-wing propaganda. It's just fabricated. It's just corporate greed. Uh, she said she basically um, shared a video on Instagram, which says it, it's a propaganda video. So that's the irony, but it says that government doesn't set the prices. Companies set the prices. You can't mess, make this stuff up. The government's not the one setting prices. How can you blame inflation on the government? The government doesn't decide how much it costs to buy a gallon of milk and how much it costs to fill up your tank. Those are private companies, so it's corporate greed. Where was the corporate greed under Trump? How come these companies were not greedy under Trump? Under Trump, these companies were willing to make a lot less profit and bring in a lot less revenue. They didn't care about money, but suddenly Biden because says, hey, wait, we can make money. Why are we charging $3 a gallon per milk? Why don't we charge $6 a gallon and we can make twice as much money? I never thought of that. Why, why are we charging $2 a gallon for gas under Trump? We could charge... 450 a gallon under Biden. It's, unbe it's unbelievable. This is Ocasio. She shared a video on Instagram that says that propaganda around inflation and cost of living is so powerful, we forget the very basic fact that corporations set the prices for their products. If a corporation raises its prices and makes record profits, that's not some invisible monster. It's a bunch of greedy shareholders. So that's the Ocasio, uh, the o Ocasio, the economist, the master wizard economist, Ocasio's take on inflation. All right, so the ADL is at war. The problem is running out of time. Your ADL is at war with Elon Musk. I'm just going to touch on this briefly. Um, and I spoke to Rabbi Yaakov Menken about this, managing director of the Coalition for Jewish Values. They're both wrong. Here's the thing, okay? Elon Musk, my problem with Elon Musk is, you know how big a supporter I am of Elon Musk and what he's done with Twitter, and he has been, number one, he's been extremely beneficial for Trump and for the conservative movement, but also for freedom of speech. And, you know, Twitter is so much better now, you know, without the woke leftist agenda. So Elon Musk has done so many good things uh, when it comes to the media and Twitter and, you know, the, the uh, uh, overturning the blatant flagrant censorship and the silencing and suppressing of conservatives in the media, which was just literally just across the board, Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, they were all, all just silencing any conservative, censoring the Hunter Biden scandal and everything else. So Elon Musk, he released all the Twitter files, he changed all that. Elon Musk has done so many good things for our cause, okay? So I don't want to, like, slam him too badly here. Uh, he did align himself with um, these right-wing, like, neo-Nazi anti-Semites. He's aligning himself with anti-Semites, and it's because it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think, Rebecca did not agree to this, I think the ADL kind of baited him into this. I think the ADL, they want to be the victim, and they want Elon Musk to attack them, and then they're going to say, oh, Elon Musk is an anti-Semite. Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite. the furthest thing from an anti-Semite, as far as I could tell. But he retweeted um, an anti-Semite uh, hashtag to ban the ADL. And the ADL, here's the problem, is the ADL, they're woke, they're leftist, they don't represent Jewish values. The ADL is a really bad organization. So I hereby condemn the ADL. The ADL is terrible. Like, they, they, you know, they, do they help the Jewish community in certain ways? I'm told that they do. I'm, hold, I'm told they help the from community. I'm told that they do good things, especially behind the scenes. And, you know, they, uh, they actually defended the yeshivas. Uh, against the New York Times and against the, you know, the secular studies uh, restrictions that they're trying to impose. So the ADL does good things, even for the cause of you know, Orthodox Judaism. I can, I can understand that. So again, don't want to throw the baby out of the bed with the bathwater, but overall as a whole, 
they are a bad organization. I mean, they never, ever speak out against Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar, these two vicious anti-Semites. How can you call yourself the Anti-Defamation League and say that you want to defend Jews? They spoke out against libs of TikTok, you know, against Chaya Rechik, but, uh, you know, basically calling her a bigot. But they don't speak out against Rashida Tlaib and, and, and Elon Omar, so they're hypocrites. It's not about the Jewish causes. It's not about anti-Semitism. They are a woke leftist group. I understand why Elon Musk, and, and, they, and they target Elon Musk, they boycotted Elon Musk as soon as he took over. They don't want freedom of speech. They want censorship. So the ADL, bad, bad group. They do some good things. Doesn't negate the fact that they're really bad. Elon Musk, again, 95%, 98% the things he has done have been so incredibly good for us. But yeah, he's aligning with, because they kind of intersect on this one issue, that they both despise groups like the ADL. So he's aligning and, and, and endorsing. And, and by the way, an anti-Semitism has spiked ever since Elon Musk endorsed. By the way, Elon Musk says that the ADL is the one causing the anti-Semitism. Because of all their leftist propaganda, uh, the ADL says because Elon Musk allowed freedom of speech, that has enabled more anti-Semitism. But you know what? There's tons of anti-Semitism on the web. YouTube has tons of anti-Semitism, and they, 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 do, censor, uh, they, you know, they do censor people, okay? They, they're not into free speech. So it's very hard to believe the ADL's narrative here that Elon Musk somehow increased anti-Semitism. It's just hard to believe. Yeah, there's going to be more things slipping through the cracks. If you don't allow hate, if you allow hate speech, I, just, I should say, if you err on the side of freedom of speech, then yeah, by definition, there's going to be more anti-Semitism allowed too, because that's just how it goes. But overall, is, it a much, is, is, is Elon Musk's Twitter much better than Jack Dorsey's Twitter? Uh, I would have to say absolutely yes. All right, so Elon Musk, speaking of Elon Musk, he's being accused by Ukraine of sabotaging an attack that they attempted against Russia. And here's the story. Ukraine, number one, should be eternally grateful to Musk, because what Musk has done with Starlink, giving Ukraine the ability to, to, to communicate throughout that country, the rest of the world combined, okay, every, the United States, NATO, every country combined didn't do as much as a single man, Elon Musk, uh, one, um, one individual with Starlink for Ukraine. So they should be thanking him profusely and infinitely, and, uh, and that's the power of private industry, okay? Elon Musk can do more because he has a lot more power with his private company than these governments do. Um, but, but, but Elon Musk is being slammed. He, apparently the story is he shut down Starlink just as Ukraine was about to, in, well, this is a false story. This is a false narrative. This is Ukraine's narrative. Then I'll tell you the truth in a minute. Ukraine was about to invade Russia and about to basically carry out a, a, a drone attack. And the most amazing thing is, you know, you gave, Elon Musk gave them Starlink. If you rely on one man, you know, even if Ukraine's narrative is correct here, if you rely on one man, then yeah, he can pull the plug. He can shut down Starlink. So, uh, no country should be in that situation to begin with. Um, in, in, why didn't the United States give Ukraine Starlink? Why didn't NATO give Ukraine Starlink? Because their defense departments are living in the cavemen era. So they don't have that to offer him. So Elon Musk does because he's so far advanced. So, yeah, if Elon Musk controls your war, then he gets to make your decisions, even if it's the wrong decision, which I don't think it was here, so I'll explain. But even if he does make the wrong decision, you should not have be reliant on one man to, to, to basically determine if you can carry out a war or not. Think about that. That's the real takeaway here. But a senior Ukrainian official accused Musk of committing evil. A new biography is being released, and it said that Musk ordered Starlink to be turned off near, near Crimea, near the Crimean coast last year, preventing a drone attack against Russian warships. In a statement on Twitter, Mikhailo Podoliak, presidential advisor, uh, wrote that Musk's interference led to the deaths of civilians. He called it a cocktail of ignorance and big ego. Quote, by not allowing Ukrainian forces to destroy part of the Russian fleet via Starlink interference, Musk allowed the fleet um, to fire missiles at Ukrainian cities and civilians, including children, were killed. And Musk said back, here's what um, Walter Isaacson, who's the biographer of Musk, who put this book out, talking about this storyline. 
Uh, he said, quote, to clarify the Starlink issue, the Ukrainians thought coverage was enabled all the way to Crimea. It was not. They asked Musk to enable it for their drone sub-attack on the Russian fleet. Musk did not enable it because he thought probably correctly that that could cause a major war. And uh, Musk responded to that tweet, much appreciated, Walter, the onus is meaningfully different if I refuse to act upon a request from Ukraine versus a deliberate change to Starlink to thwart Ukraine. No point did I or anyone at SpaceX promise coverage over Crimea. And then he says the terms of service prohibit Starlink for offensive military action. Long story short, look, it's a tragic situation no matter what, but Elon Musk, it's, it, Ukraine's version of it, which is a lie, is that you know, we had uh, Starlink coverage into Crimea. They needed to have this drone attack into Crimea and Crimean territory, and they can only do that with Starlink. And uh, Ukraine says he shut off Stalin because he didn't want us to attack. And Musk says, no, 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 you requested, you thought mistakenly that you had coverage you did not. You asked me to turn it on. I said no. And the reason is, number one, is following the terms of service. And number two, you're asking me to start a major war. And I totally sympathize with Musk here. Again, the right or wrong, it's impossible for anyone to know the right or wrong. Obviously, Ukraine wants to be able to attack. Obviously, Russia does not. But you cannot, you know, you can't tell me that... Uh, you know, you're asking Elon Musk. You can't judge him. You cannot judge. This is his call. This is Elon Musk. Call. You, you want Elon Musk to turn on Starlink so that you can wage war on Russia. Who knows how many deaths that will lead to? Who, many, who knows how much bigger that'll escalate the war? And you want Elon Musk to say, you know, I'm going to snap my fingers, flip a coin and decide, all right, let's enable like me and my flipping this switch to, 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 to turn the war, to escalate the war into this massive, massive, you know, because it's Crimean territory, now you bring Crimea into this. Who knows what kind of immense damage, who knows the repercussions? There could be unthinkable repercussions, and Musk says, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, and then Ukraine is blaming him for sabotaging them. And, but like I said, without Starlink, Ukraine would have never lasted probably five days to begin with. And like I said, we sent, we sent Ukraine $70 billion. Why can't they develop their own communication system with all the money, with all the billions that we, we, we've sent them? Oh, yeah, because they're using it to buy junky coats that don't keep you warm in the winter and overpriced eggs for their troops. It's unbelievable. All right. Like I said, it's pretty late on time, but we'll just get this one more story here. Chuck Todd challenged Governor Newsom on his hypocrisy during the COVID lockdowns. Listen to this clip. During COVID, um, you, you were pretty strict with the lockdowns here. And uh, there was an interesting piece in Harper's that sort of was critical of your decisions from this perspective. You found a way to allow the motion picture industry and the the sort of the movie industry to get back to work. But you didn't allow people to grieve together at funerals or at churches. And that it sort of, and that this may be why there's such a polarized disconnect. what you prioritize, right, this is this anger between the populace and the elite, supposedly. Here, you prioritize this industry, but, you, you know, you were tougher on those that just wanted to go worship. Um, a, what do you say to that, Chris? I think there's a lot of humility, and we didn't know what we didn't know, and it was hardly I. Uh, it was we, collectively. I and I think all of us, in, in terms of our collective wisdom, we've evolved. We didn't know what we didn't know. We're experts in hindsight. We're all geniuses. But now. think about what, we prior, what, you prior, what you ended up collectively prioritizing. You're prioritizing right. industry, you know, well, in one, and, and one specific one, but then didn't prioritize maybe ones that whose maybe values you didn't connect with. Well, I don't think it's a binary. There was iterations within that theme. Unbelievable. Number one, I mean, it's so disgraceful. It, it, you know, number one, humility. Okay, it, 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 it gives us humility. This man has a massive ego. Gavin Newsom, you just look at him. You just hear him talk. I mean, he's got a massive, massive ego. But it's absurd to say, well, in hindsight, we're all experts in hindsight. Experts in hindsight.